0: And I find it frustrating, and frankly, I find it insulting when all the speaker does is puts up the slide and then they start reading what's up there. I don't need you to read to me, but if you're going to make the slides clean and then you're going to engage me, you're going to stimulate me, you're going to tell me a story, you're going to put things into context, then I'm in. I'm in 100%. I want to hear what you have to say.
1: Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by us at a Presentation Agency 356 Labs. My name is Boris. I'm going to be your host uh, yet again. However uh, you are, as I like to say, um, John, uh, as I like to say to our audience and our listeners and our viewers on YouTube, they are not here for me. <laughs> they are here for our guest. And today I have someone on, our, on the podcast who I have been admiring and looking at his work for a long, long time. His name is uh, John Zimmer, and what do you need to know about him? Well, he is going to be one of the speakers at our conference, Present to Succeed 2022, in April, uh, which is not the most important thing, all right? But still, I need to say it. Uh, However, he is also the author of the blog Manner of Speaking that you can find, which is a like incredible uh, wealth of resources on the topic of presentation skills and overall public speaking. You can find it on mannerofspeaking.org. And lastly, he is also a keynote speaker. He trains a lot of organizations and institutions, like just to name a few, Deloitte, Roche, uh, the World Health Organization. And again, this is just to name a few. Um, John, hopefully that's enough for our listeners. Uh, that's more to- than enough. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Boris. It's great to be here. So every single time with every single guest, we start with the same question, which is, every single person in our, um, in our industry has a very interesting story how they ended up in this industry. How did you end up, end up in the presentation world? What happened?
0: Okay, the very short version. I'm from Canada and I'm trained as a lawyer. I worked in one of Canada's largest full-service law firms in Toronto for many years doing corporate commercial litigation and also environmental law. In 1998, I had a fantastic opportunity to come to Geneva, Switzerland, where I currently am, to work on a very interesting program at the United Nations. It saw me travel throughout the Middle East. Uh, It was a compensation uh, program that was very interesting. From there, I went to the International Organization for Migration. And when the program there wound down, I did five and a half years at the World Health Organization. But along the way, as a lawyer, I was doing lots of speaking at conferences, in front of tribunals, in front of courts, and I enjoyed it. And I was helping other people with their presentations. And at some point I thought, well, maybe I could make a living at this full time. So 6 years ago at the age of 53 54 I left the World Health Organization to become a full-time professional speaker. I, as you said I give keynotes, I moderate events and I do lots of corporate trainings. I work with companies and organizations and individuals helping them become better, more effective speakers. And I also teach at a few executive MBA programs in Switzerland and in Spain. So that is the condensed version
1: brilliant uh side question here because you're based in uh, switzerland i have heard there are a lot of expensive cars in switzerland is that correct <laughs>
0: there, there's a lot or of expensive, expensive. there's a lot of expensive everything in switzerland so yes <laughs> it is
1: true <laughs> All right. And I know that there are some really brilliant roads where you can drive those cars, which is also interesting.
0: It's but amazing. And in fact, yeah. I, I've never been a big car person. I'm actually more mm-hmm. into long distance cycling. And for that, Switzerland is magic. You've got flat, you've got hills, and then you've got the mountain roads. And it, it's a, it's spectacular.
1: Yeah. I haven't been there. Everyone is saying that we should go there. Obviously, we need to plan it at some point. and hopefully, Definitely. We'll definitely. Yeah. Let's go to the world of presentations now. Now that, now that we know that uh, you can find some extreme cars in uh, Switzerland. All right. So you have been, as you said, you have been training so many organizations, uh, global companies like super big brands, and you work with them. Like I always like to say that these are the business people that are being asked um, to present whether they like it or not. This is actually also kind of uh, the motto of our conference. Like we created this event for the business person who is being asked to present whether they like it or not. So we were discussing that it will be very interesting for us to talk about the mistakes that you see people in the business world do. So that once they hear it, because our audience are also business professionals, once they hear uh, some of those, maybe someone will recognize themselves um, in one of those mistakes and uh, hopefully learn uh, from what you are actually advising those people to fix, to improve on in that regard. What are the things that you see? Um, let's go one by one, uh, probably from the biggest to the smallest. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but what are the things that you see people in the business world are not uh, are not doing in the best way possible mm. when we talk about presentations obviously
0: sure sure of course i mean there's there's a lot there's a lot to look at and of course everybody's different different organizations uh, approach yeah. this differently what what is very encouraging to me is that over the years i have seen a greater awareness within companies and organizations of the importance of good presentation skills, the importance of good public speaking, because whether it's the CEO or a middle manager or somebody who is lower down in the company, when that person is out speaking in the public, they are the face of the company. When it comes to mistakes, I think a big one is that people tend to try and put Too much into a presentation, too much information. And usually this comes from a good place. They want to share what they know with the audience and they think, oh, if I just add more and more detail, it's going to be more helpful for the audience. But it almost always has the opposite effect. It becomes like a tidal wave of information on the audience. This is where I, I, when I work with clients, I really encourage them before we start even thinking about things like slide or what data to put in is to step back and to think big picture first. And what is involved in the big picture? Well, first of all, you think about who's the audience? What's your relationship with the audience? What are you gonna be talking about? How does the subject relate to the audience? Why should they care about the subject? What do they know about it? Do they not? Do they like it? Do they not like it? These big picture questions, and then thinking about things like, what's the message? What, the French have a, a, this great expression, they call it le fil rouge, the red thread. What is the one thing that runs through the entire presentation and holds it together? And when you think about that message, that, that key message that you want to get across, then you ask yourself, well, why should the audience care? Because this is another common uh, issue that I see. Speakers have this message and it's clear in their minds and they think this is great. This is what I want to talk about. But they haven't stopped to ask themselves, why should the audience care about what I'm talking about? And they've got to come up with at least one reason, because if you can't come up with at least one reason why the audience should care, then you're either speaking to the wrong audience or you're giving speaking about the wrong thing. So yeah. that for me is one of the biggest problems this dump of information without first stepping back and thinking about what do I want to talk about and why is it important that these people hear it. And once people do have that nailed down, then building the presentation becomes a lot easier.
1: Yeah. So do you also advise them do you also advise them that once they know hey here is what the key message is that I wanna communicate and here is who my audience is, right? So understanding very much like in the best possible way and in the biggest, like in vivid, I would say not vivid, but in the best possible way, the audience itself, do you also advise them to then later on during the brainstorm, like just throw in their ideas and then take a look at again at, hey, here is the message that I wanna convey and here is who is in front of me. Now let's check more or less each and every idea I have and see whether or not it will help me communicate that message in front of that people.
0: Exactly, that, that's a great way of describing it. Uh, it's once you know what you wanna talk about and why it's important for the audience, then as you say, Get a sheet of paper and write down all the possible things that you could talk about. And don't censor yourself. Don't edit yourself. Just put every idea, no matter how dumb it may seem, down on the paper. And then what you do, if you take that message and you use that as the lens through which you look at everything that you've written down, and from there, you pick what is most essential what is most essential for the audience. And you may have eight valid things, eight valid reasons why the audience should believe your message. But again, depending on how much time you have, talking about all eight is not necessarily the best way to go because people can't remember all of these things. So a very simple fix to that would be to say something like, you know, there are eight good reasons why you should do X. Today I just want to talk about three. And if you just say that, you've signaled to the audience that there are all these other reasons, but today we're just going to focus on these three. And if the audience leaves the room and they remember those three things, then you've done your job and you've done it well.
1: Yeah, by the way, one of the interesting things here is a lot of the people that are listening to us and we're part of the first event, uh, which was in April this year, because we're recording this, what is it today? Like 15th of October. 15th of October. Yeah, so I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on, because probably you have heard that question many, many times. A lot of people are asking, okay, John, okay, Boris, okay, whoever. Uh, You are telling me that it is absolutely essential uh, to know who the audience is. Help me figure that out. How do I know? who those people are like what should i do to find that information and then once i have it what am i doing with that information in this mm. place like what are it, your thoughts on this one
0: it, it, it's it's a common issue and again depending on the format it might not be easy to get a lot of information if you're speaking at an open conference and there are uh, let's say 300 people attending it's going to be hard to get a sense of exactly who everybody is. It's not, you're not going to be able to do it. However, There are a few things that can help guide you. First of all, the overall theme of the conference, what are people, what is the conference about? And that should give you some indication that people are interested in that. When I speak at a conference, I will speak with the conference organizers and I will ask them for a list of the attendees. At the very least, I can get a list of names and what their position is and the companies or organizations where they work. And that gives me some sense. That gives me some sense. When you're dealing with a smaller group of people, for example, somebody who's going to speak to individuals at a particular company or a particular organization, there are lots of good tools on the internet, such as SurveyMonkey, where you can create a very simple survey, should be less than five minutes to complete. You send it To the people and then you can get people you can design questions that elicit that pull out key information that will help you create and hone and scope a presentation that really makes an impact so there are different things that you can do and i recognize it's not always easy
1: yeah especially for the large audiences it's way way harder but yesterday i got that question during a course that we were leading and i was like, what is the, like exactly as you said, like what is the format? Like what type of presentation are we speaking here? Like, is it a boardroom type of thing? Is it like an online call with, in the webinar format? Like, is it a conference uh, type of thing? And so it turned out that there is a conference and I said, hey guys, like any conference is being organized by someone, all right? These are the so-called, as you mentioned, organizers, right? These guys have information about your audience, right? shoot them an email phone like do a phone call with them ask them who are the people that are coming if possible like you mentioned get the list of the names and the roles and the companies that will be if that's possible like that is super nice Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is super nice because gives you a lot of context but i just show them because we currently when we are running the event every single sponsor for example we have a slide with the demographics of the audience and we're like hey here is like the fact that 60 percent of our audience is from europe right 20 percent of those guys are it people 20 are from the hr field 20 are from whatever and you're like okay that is telling me something i'm talking to a mixed audience right so once i have this information what would you advise people to do with it when
0: you've got the information about who the audience is i mean then If you know, for example, that a significant portion of the audience is working in HR, to take your example, then one very simple thing you can do is to just build into your presentation a reference to people working in the HR department. You can specifically call out that area of expertise and link what you're talking about to it because that will be something that people will really appreciate because it'll show that, hey, this speaker has actually thought about us. The, the speaker has tailored the speech to the audience. And, and this I think is, is a really fundamental point that, that's worth stressing. Mm-hmm. It's never about you or me when we are on stage speaking. It's always about the audience. And I always tell people that you will notice a massive leap forward in your speaking when you go into every presentation, not thinking about yourself, how will I look, how will I sound, are people going to like me, but rather you're thinking, how can I help the audience? How can I give this audience value for the time that they are giving me? Because let's face it. You know, there are brilliant speakers out there who are giving great information and motivation and inspiration. But if we're being honest, I can get information, inspiration, motivation from Google. I can just find all kinds of things. But in return, what the audience is giving the speaker is something they can never get back, which is their time. And so you've got to make it worth their while. Thinking about, you know, large audiences where you don't know people, you don't know a lot In detail about people one thing that I always do and I I recommend this to anybody speaking at a big event is to go early first of all you want to get comfortable with the room you want to get up on the stage if you can walk the stage meet the tech people get prepared but then once you've done all that you can say hello you can go up and chat with a few of the people who arrive early you go introduce yourself. Who are you? I'm the speaker. Oh, cool. They're going to want to speak to you because they're there to listen to you. And what you can do is you can start building connections with your audience even before the presentation starts. But during those conversations, somebody might say something to you that is related to what you're talking about. And then when you're on the stage, you can say something like, you know, well, in fact, Sarah and I, and you can look for Sarah in the audience and point her out say, we were just talking about this very thing. And audiences love that. Even if if you're not talking about me specifically, the fact that you've shown you've taken the time to get to know some of us, it shows that you're really there for the audience.
1: Yeah. I can like cannot agree with you more, especially even though I think that your advice on going there earlier uh before the presentation starts is applicable not just to conferences but also to corporate meetings where you are being asked to present to a team that's not yours and people don't know you I mean this is still applicable and the thing that you are saying especially in the conference setup for the AV team um make for me you shouldn't just go in there and meet them I always try and make sure that they become my friends you know before the session itself because you never know you know like you never know how much you need those guys, and you better have them on your side as much as you can. If something happens, like they need to feel like, okay, this this person is so was so nice with me like thirty minutes ago. If something happens with him or with her, I re- I will push myself to the limits to fix their problem, and it will be like something that I really want to do for them. Uh, you mentioned something very interesting, which leads me to another uh, issue that at least we see in the corporate world it would be interesting for you, uh, for me to hear your opinion is that you said hey um, sometimes there would be a piece of information that you can uh, uh, that you can use as part of the talk mm-hmm. that were born before the talk and as part of the discussions with some of the attendees for me that is like i can, like i'm so in for that one do you think however that in order for whoever is listening to us to do that I believe that in order for them to be able to do that, they need to be very well prepared so that once they're on stage, they have the mental capacity somehow to remember that they talk to Sarah and include that as they go. Like, what is your, what are your thoughts on overall, like the preparation that people put in in the business world in regards to their presentations? Also like rehearsals, like what are you seeing there? <sighs>
0: Preparation for me is the foundation of any good speech or presentation. Uh, If you've read, uh, well, I mean, so many people have talked about it, but I'm always reminded of what the Chinese philosopher Sun Tzu said in his book, The Art of War. He said, all battles are won before they are fought. And this is not to say that public speaking should be a battle. It definitely should not be. However, (laughs) if you are prepared, then you're going to be in a much better position to deliver on the day and being well prepared means, you know, it doesn't mean memorizing. And I tell people you should never memorize what you're going to say, because if you forget a word or a sentence, it will throw you off, but you should know it so well that if you're going to cover five things, A, B, C, D, E, that you can go from A to B to C to D to E, no problem at all. The words will come out differently if you do at different times, but you will still cover these five points. and then. Once you have that then you can be you can improvise along the way you can react to things in the moment you can you can get off the main track and then easily get back on so preparation i think is fundamental in today's business world The reality is that many times people don't have a lot of time to prepare. It's Tuesday afternoon. You're told you've got to present this on Friday and you've got three reports that have to be finished this week as well. And so oftentimes people don't have enough time to prepare, to think about the message, to structure the presentation in a way that there's a compelling opening, a logical development, and a good conclusion. They don't have time to rehearse it. And this is just the the, the business reality. Having said that, I always tell people, look, you never know who's in the audience, as you said. You never know, you know, it could be a major client or could be a major opportunity for you personally, professionally, for your company, your organization. It's worth carving out some time to really think about and to practice and to prepare so that you do a good job. Because, you know, especially for people seeing you for the first time, you get one chance to make a good first impression. So you want to seize that.
1: Yeah, and still, do you see like even though even though people are so busy nowadays with so many things that they're doing nowadays with the COVID pandemic, et cetera, which is keeping people even in their houses, in, in their homes where potentially there are even more things to distract them and to take out of their time? Like, do you see in do you see in the business world people understanding the importance of rehearsals or and especially for important presentations because i always kind of differentiate between a sync between the team members and something that uh, i always say to our trainees hey you are like a professional in a specific area are uh, you are mature enough more or less to to say hey this presentation that's coming up next is a super important one like that's not like a Team sync, or, team sync or something. Do yep. you see uh, people like really understanding the importance of rehearsals? Do you see it improving? Like where is the business world in your, like what are you seeing there?
0: It's mixed. It's mixed. Hmm. I'm working with some people right now, next week, I'm going to be working with a client, the head of a, of, of a company based in Germany who wants to practice uh, for Who wants to practice for a three and a half minute big pitch at a conference and we're preparing to put in several hours on this three and a half minute pitch and that's very encouraging to me because it shows that the person realizes the importance of you know making every second in this three and a half minutes count other times there are people who say you know i get contacted and the presentation is in two days and somebody else has done the slides. And of course, because the, the speaker hasn't had time, the slides are heavy with text. And it's a harder, it's a harder thing to deal with. But the trend is generally more towards recognizing that being able to present well is important. And in, in a in a somewhat um interesting way, I think COVID has accelerated this awareness to an extent because people working at home, people communicating like you and I are, are doing right now through the internet, people have realized that, oh, I've, I've got to be able to present and I've got to make it more interesting. And and so there's somewhat of an awareness, but again, it's, it's uneven. And yeah. it, I think it's always going to be uneven.
1: Yeah. Uh, what about, you mentioned, uh- like What about the mistakes that you see with your with your customers? Because we were mentioning this word uh, COVID and staying at home and presenting online through the web, etc. Um, What are the things that you're seeing with your clients in regards to online presenting that they need to focus a little bit more on? Um, maybe because they're considering virtual presentations the same as in person. We see that a lot and I'm like, that's strange Mm -hmm. what are you seeing there
0: i mean the 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 challenges range from the logistical to more fundamental things when it comes to logistics one of the simplest things that people can do and i'm still surprised after all this time more people are not doing it is to raise the camera to eye level like you and i have right now and when you speak Don't talk to the screen. So right now I'm looking at you, which is by far my preference because I can see you and I see your reaction and this is how we are as humans. But now you're seeing me and everybody's seeing me on the recording. I'm looking down which yeah. breaks the connection. You've got yeah. to lift your eyes up and speak to the camera. When I first started off, it, it, I kept looking at people's faces. And so I just took a big post-it note and put an arrow on it and stuck it next to the camera for the first couple of weeks. And it just kept pulling my eyes back up. And now I'm just used to speaking to the camera. So yeah. little things like that logistically can make a big impact. If we go more fundamentally and this is something that i think especially in companies where you have people calling their teams together to present something and everybody works with each other i think not enough people are taking advantage of the of an what i call it what's an asynchronous presentation in other words mm why have all the team members assemble at a certain time to listen to me give a formal presentation? I could just as easily record the presentation, send it out to my team members and say, watch this presentation before our meeting next Friday. Then, Hmm. you know, Joe's going to watch it while eating breakfast and Jane's going to watch it while she's on the treadmill and people will watch it when it's convenient to them. But then what happens on at the Friday meeting? We all come to that meeting. Everybody has seen my presentation and we can immediately start working on it. We can start engaging. I can send them off into breakout rooms to do things because that's when online interactions become much more stimulating. It's when you get people involved, you get them doing things. And yes, you know, they can answer polls and do things like that. But it's really when they're, I think, taking part and discussing and sharing their ideas and perspectives. So that's one way that I think a lot of businesses could make a better use of these online presentations.
1: Have you seen your, at least some of your clients apply that for some of the meetings that they would otherwise uh, schedule?
0: A couple after, after speaking with them, a couple of them have done it. And and they liked it. They said they said it was much more productive. I think it puts a little more responsibility on the speaker because if I'm the speaker, I now have to set up my recording and make sure it's right and make sure am I happy with it, and then I have to send it out and then I also have to go to the meeting. But it's like anything else: more effort going in, better product coming out.
1: Yeah. Have you heard? By the way, curious to hear that. Like, have you heard some of your clients and the people that you are training? saying or I would use the word complain uh even though it's not exactly a complaint uh, but someone saying hey what happened here like this online world what made like what happened with us like now we need to understand about lighting now we need to know a little about a little bit about cameras about microphones about, where should my camera be? All of that stuff. Like, are you hearing similar comments from people? Still, all of that. I'm hearing all, all of
0: that, and and I'm on top of, layered over everything. I'm hearing about Zoom fatigue. To use Zoom as 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 the 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 um, so, yeah, yeah the, the the vehicle or the the platform. But yes, people are just generally tired of it. I think it's I think there's a real there's a real hunger to get back for at least among a a number of people to get back with face to face interactions. And it'll be interesting because I think when we are finally through with COVID and let's hope it's soon, I don't think it's going to be the way it was during the worst parts of COVID, but I don't think the business world is going back to the way it was before either. I think we're going to come out with something that is new. There's going to be more online interaction, which I think is a good thing because for meetings, for example, where instead of having to fly people from all corners of the earth to some city for three days, They can stay home and they don't have to travel and that's better for the environment and it's less stressful for them. So I think there's going to be this combination of back, face-to-face and online. Recently, I've been traveling in Italy and Germany and and Finland for work and it's been just such a pleasure for me to actually be in the same room with with people (laughs) because it just feels great. But at the same time, I'm not... You know, I've learned to like these kinds of interactions because now you and I get a chance to speak. You're in Bulgaria. I'm in Switzerland. We have this chance to interact. And I think I think it's a fantastic thing.
1: Yeah. We didn't mention any of the things that uh, people need to look at when we talk about the subject of slides. Many organizations, many people need uh, slides when they're about to present in the business context. Anything that you see that you are giving advices to uh, to your clients when we talk about like specifically around the visuals? Let's not right. focus all like let's not say that it's always a PowerPoint or some like always a Apple Keynote all around the visuals. Like what's happening there? What do you see that people can do a better job there? And obviously, um, that will result in better and overall, more effective presentation
0: when it comes to slides. I always tell people, think of yourself as a sculptor. And by that, I mean, when Michael, you look at a statue like the David by Michelangelo, and what did Michelangelo add to the marble to make it into the David? Well, he brought his creativity, he brought his imagination, but physically it's what he took away. That made it the work of art that it is. And I tell people when you're looking at your slides, anytime you can take something out and it doesn't negatively impact the audience's ability to understand, do it. If you can say it in five words instead of eight, if you can say it in three words instead of five, if you don't need all of these points, anything you can take out, do it. Because still today, Too many people put too much information on the slides. And when that happens, you are forcing your audience to make a choice. Either I'm going to forget the slide and just listen to you, or what happens more often, I'm going to start forgetting about you and I'm going to start reading. And then the problem is somebody's reading the logo and somebody's looking at the graph and somebody is a fast reader and at the bottom and we're all over the place. And so what I tell people is that a slide is not does not serve the same purpose as a document that you hold in your hand and read with a cup of coffee. It has a different purpose. And so a good rule of thumb, and this doesn't have to be for all slides, you can have complex slides if the purpose is to show the complexity or to just yeah. give a quick overview. But in general, I tell people, A slide should contain about the same amount of information as a sign at the side of the highway, the auto route. You're driving along at 130 kilometers an hour, and you look, the sign is coming up and you've got about three, four seconds to look at that slide, pull the information about distance to your destination or where the next exit is, and then get your eyes back on the road because otherwise you're going to get in an accident. Yep. And it should be the same for a slide. If a new slide comes up, I should be able to look at it, get a sense of it, and then get quickly back to the speaker. Yep. So just that one change should really will make a huge impact. And I tell people, if you want to have a handout, create a separate document and put in all the details and the footnotes and the data and all the points you want. And that's then you can hand that out but the slides serve a different purpose and there's still there's still this this lack of understanding i think generally in the business world people try and put everything on the slide sometimes it's because they haven't had enough time to prepare if we go back to what we talked about and then they're using the slides as their speaking notes which is a huge mistake your slides are not your speaking notes they are there to help the audience understand the point you're trying to make
1: yeah i i see a lot of resistance uh, in the business world when we talk about hey slides are super simple super visual like the small brothers of billboards as you mentioned yet like some type of a presentation that's like a document style like in our industry a lot of people are uh, depending on whose books you read um, more or less you will see okay is it a slide you month is the slide doc again depending on on the book that you read uh, but many people resist um, mm. or Im- like, when you mention it, they very quickly mention that they they don't have time for that. Uh, and they prefer to have one uh, document which is the more detailed one because they know that most of the times they are going to be asked to send it over afterwards.
0: I, I hear this all the time and I've had this yep. discussion with clients and people tell me exactly like you said, they said, yeah, but I, I put everything in the slide cause we hand it out afterwards and then they have it. And so I say to them, so everything I need to know is in the slide. And they say, yeah, it's all there. And I say, that's fantastic. Why do I need you? Yep. And I'm not a bad guy, but honestly, if you're telling me that everything I need to know is in the slide, you can save everyone a lot of time. Just turn the slide into a PDF email it to me, I promise I'll read it because I can read faster than you can speak. And then if I have any questions, I will get back to you. And I find it frustrating and frankly, I find it insulting when all the speaker does is puts up the slide and then they start reading what's up there. I don't need you to read to me, but if you're going to make the slides clean and then you're going to engage me, you're going to stimulate me, you're going to tell me a story, you're going to put things into context, then I'm in, I'm in a hundred percent. I want to hear what you have to say.
1: Yeah, that's a different
0: level, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, even if, and and I think people should have simple slides, but if you're gonna have lots of information, I mean, doing things like animating bullet points, so they come in one at a time when you're ready for them, that way, at least you keep the audience with you. Or if you have a chart full of numbers, you can highlight a number or have a circle appear around the key number to draw my attention to the number a slide slide presentation it's not an easter egg hunt i shouldn't have to be looking all over the slide where where's the key information you should bring me to it
1: yeah and especially especially with data uh and especially in front of some audiences like executives and managers and leaders i they them you leaving them hunting around the slide for what that like? what is the message here, most of the times lead to something that you probably notice also with your clients complaining about it. At least I have heard this so many times. Like they constantly ask us around. I was about to present that message to them and then they saw this table of data or chart and they stopped me uh, by asking like, wait, why is that number five? And yet at the same time, the focus and the message on this slide has nothing to deal with that number uh, and that value that's in this case, let's say five. However, you're pushing them to look and to analyze the data themselves, and yeah.
0: If if, if you put it up on the screen, it's fair game. Anybody can make a (laughs) comment or a question about it.
1: Yeah, that is true. One last here before we uh, wrap this up, because I know that you have a a very, uh, how can I say it? you really care about the start and the end of each presentation. I won't go to the start because the (laughs) ending of the presentation is also incredibly interesting. At least in my view, I continue to see, as in the business world, at conferences, like many, many uh, formats, I continue to see endings that sound like the speaker talks, talks, then they go silent and then they say, well, I think that's it. Thank you, and have a great day. <laughs> that really is it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you do? You see this with your clients, and what do you advise them to do?
0: Yes, and again, it's it's interesting because it does it links back to this whole idea of preparation. When people are preparing, when they do a little bit of, of, of rehearsal, the openings tend to get worked on more. Because they start going through it and they reach a point and they either make a mistake and they say, okay, no, let's try it this way. So let's start again. So they're starting again, starting again. So the beginning gets worked really well and the ending less so. But as you say, your conclusion, your ending is is crucial because it's the last thing the audience is going to hear. And psychologists, when it comes to principles of remembering, they talk about the principles of primacy and recency. People tend to remember the first things they hear and the last thing and too many people throw away their ending just as you as you said but i think that's it Uh, any questions great thank you goodbye and so what i tell people for your endings you want to really protect them so a couple of things first of all slow down too many people accelerate because they see the end is coming up and they can think i can just get off the stage and be done with this you want to go the opposite direction slow down take your time summarize the key things you want the audience to remember. There should be no new information in a conclusion. It should be all It should be all um, a repetition of the key things that you've said. If you have a call to action, if there's something you want them to do, this is the time to bring it in. A simple technique, you don't have to do this, but every time I've seen it done, it adds polish to a presentation, is to come back to the beginning. You circle back. A lot of people think of a presentation as linear. You have a beginning, an opening, the development, and then the conclusion. And I think of it as circular. You have the opening, the development, and the conclusion. You come back to the beginning. And so if you began with a story, Then maybe you come back and give, you know, towards the end, you give the conclusion of that story, or you started with a question, you answer it, or a quote, you come back to the quote or a different quote. Something like that looks really nice. Two other ideas for people to consider, both of which are counterintuitive for most people. The first one is never, ever, ever have a slide that says, thank you. It's a terrible, terrible use of your final slide. Because right, first of all, sometimes you don't want to thank your audience. If you're giving an inspiring speech to your team or your company, you know, you can leave them with something better than thank you. You know, we're a great team. Let's get out there and do it. But the second reason is that. If you want to thank your audience, you know, do you really need a slide? Why not just look at them and thank them? Say thank you. Thank them sincerely. Thank them from your heart and say, you know, thank you very much. Whatever you want to say, if you're going to thank them. Your final slide should be, you know, a summary of your key points or some amazing image linked to your presentation or even your contact details. Any of those is better. And then the other idea, again, which is counterintuitive, I tell people, where you can control the speaking situation, which is not always the case if you're at a conference or whatever, but where you can control your speaking time, don't end with questions and answers. And the reason is because you never know what the questions are going to be. That's the wild card. And I love questions and answers because it's a real chance to engage with the audience. But you know, somebody at the back, if they ask a question, which is either off topic or irrelevant, what is everybody else doing? they're picking up these things and they're starting to check. okay, well, let me check my email. How is he still speaking? And that's how your presentation ends. It's like a balloon slowly deflating. So what I tell people is where you can control the situation, just make a minor shift. So for example, if you have 40 minutes to speak and you think I'm going to speak for half an hour and then take 10 minutes of questions, instead of going 30 minutes and 10, speak for 25 minutes. If you can cover it in 30, you can cover it in 25. And when you get to minute 25, then you say, now, before I conclude, I'd like to open the floor for questions. And so you've signaled to your audience that you still have something to say, but now we're going to do questions. So you take the questions for 10 minutes. And that brings you to minute 35. And at minute 35, even if there are more questions, you can say, I see there are still some more questions. I'm more than happy to speak with you over coffee after, but I only have a few minutes and I'd like to conclude. And in my experience, people respect that. And then what happens? Control returns to you as the speaker. And now you are going to decide what is going to be the last thing that people hear. So these are all some tips. They're they're all there's no magic to them. They're all basically common sense. But these are some things that can really make for a strong conclusion.
1: Yeah, I have I have also advised our clients whenever they have the control over the setup and the format to always do like to always keep the end for themselves. You know, like this is the perfect moment for you to hit with your call to action and potentially even with the reason why people should act right. Uh, and by the way, a lot of people are trying this and really feel the difference. You know, because the question, the questions and answers part just becomes part of the talk itself, yep. and somehow it adds even more value to the talk. And then at the end, it's just like a com- so much more complete package somehow. And so, the ovation, sure. especially when it's a conference talk, it's even even bigger. For sure.
0: And um, if if the questions if the questions don't come, because some audiences, depending on the culture or the situation, nobody asks a question. If you've already concluded, there, then it just ends like that. This way you've got something else to say.
1: Yeah. John, we can speak about that topic and about <laughs> for a long time for many, many hours. Uh however, we need to wrap this up. All right. <laughs> so, but let's wrap this up with two very quick questions. The first one is uh who else do you think we should get on the podcast? This is just one name, all right? One name that is either in the presentation world. Or is someone that you saw, that you worked with, that for some reason is, uh, impressed you with, again, something related to their presentation skills? Do you have a name?
0: <laughs> Although- oh, there, there's putting me on the spot. I'm trying to think. I mean, in the presentation world, of course, you know there are the Gar Reynolds, the Nancy Duartes who would be great to have just you know because they're so experienced in, in, in their particular in their particular fields, especially when it comes to slide design. Um, I'll anyway. think about it. I'll let you know.
1: All right. Gar and Nancy are still, uh, still haven't been on the podcast. So I can start with Gar. We were in discussions and we were chatting with Gar at some point and then something happened. So maybe this will be the podcast episode that will bring him in.
0: Maybe. Come on, Gar, you can do it.
1: So one last here, a two-part question here. Where can people find more about what you're doing and what is the best place or social network for them to connect with you?
0: so as you mentioned at the outset my website is called manner of speaking all one word mannerofspeaking.org. it started out 12 13 years ago just as a simple blog on wordpress and it's now my full business site people can get in contact with me there see the things i do and i think most importantly there are between 900 and a thousand blog articles all free all on public speaking that people can have a look at and i hope you find something helpful there besides that i'm on linkedin twitter a little bit on instagram and it's all linked on the blog you can find everything
1: there yeah i think that people should definitely definitely go to your blog because there is a wealth <laughs> i would say information there on the topic so everyone again uh, mannerofspeaking.org of course we are going to link um all uh john's uh, linkedin plus his website in the show notes or in the YouTube uh, description or whatever it's called so you can find it there. Uh, John, thanks for joining. This was super, super nice.
0: Boris, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you.
1: Brilliant. Looking forward to seeing you in April again, even though until then we are going to be in touch. Everyone, again, All of the things that uh, John mentioned will be in the show notes or in the description, depending on how you're consuming uh, this podcast. And also our website, 356labs.com, not 365labs. Again, I need to mention that. (laughs) every single time I try to mention them, it's 356labs.com. And of course, the conference present to Succeed. John will be there. A lot of people will be there as speakers and as attendees so if you still don't know about present to succeed go check it out and hopefully we'll see you there uh thanks for listening everyone subscribe it uh, subscribe to the podcast like it like the video like the audio follow the podcast do you know what you need to do uh and yeah uh, see you in the next one thanks everyone